Some portions of this episode may contain explicit content not suitable for younger audience. Listener's discretion is advised. It takes a humble mind and a curious spirit to go past the hubris that ignorance and knowledge bring. Through questions, specific concerns are addressed, doubts are dissolved, and understanding is achieved, which is the goal of this podcast. We believe asking questions provides one of the quickest and most precise routes to understanding, which translates into the correct execution of actions and the attainment of desired outcomes. This is where Solomon Ray comes in. Solomon Ray is a prolific Bible teacher, executive leader, advisor, and sponsor. Known for his love for Jesus Christ and people, wisdom, and unique incursions into God's Word to provide relevance, clarity, and understanding for personal leadership and a more productive life in Christ Jesus through every area of life. We trust this podcast will help you provide clarity to the burning questions you've been harboring all these years. Let's delve into the podcast and listen attentively as Solomon Ray brings clarity, insight, and understanding to some questions. Take a listen. Hello, my name is Gertrude. I'm in Yaoundé, Cameroon. The Bible says stay away from sexual immorality and you've had a podcast about sexual immorality. But it is easy for people to advise others like, okay, you have to be celibate until you get married. But people ignore the pressures around you and the pressure of being an adult and so on. So as a Christian, my question is, how can you stay celibate? What are the things that you have to do in order to stay celibate despite the things that happen to you as an individual in your environment and yeah how can you stay celibate until you get married knowing that it will glorify god Hello, good day to you and trust you're doing well. I am, of course, I am doing very well and we thank God for everything that's been happening. I thank God for life. I thank God for all that he's doing in and through my life. I want to thank him for, you know, the life on a daily basis and ever increasing levels of glory. So grateful that he chose me to know him and he chose me even further to really get to have an insight of who he is and to grant me the privilege to be that relaying point from him to the autumn most part of the earth. Thank you very much for joining. Here is Solomon Ray and you're welcome to Ask Solomon Ray podcast, your favorite show. And here through this podcast, we seek to dissolve your doubts so that you can perceive life and approach it correctly. Understanding your Christian walk with Jesus Christ and your Christian living with others. Maximizing your time, purpose and assignment for the glory of God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So before we start, as usual, let's get into a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this platform. I want to thank you for this resource that you've granted us and you've given us. I want to thank you for the election of grace. I want to thank you for wisdom and understanding. I want to thank you, Lord, for making your word through my voice to resonate globally. Amazing feedback that we are getting across the world. And Lord, this is by no means to glorify me, but this I relay all the glory back to you. Lord, take all the glory 
take all the adoration, be glorified in everything that we think, do, and say. And Lord, we only pray for more grace. I pray for more of your wisdom and understanding so I can serve you through your people the correct way so that they will become, we all become and conform to the image of Jesus so that we can do the work that you have for us with all glory and with all impact. All that to magnify your name and to complete the assignment that you've reposed on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and on us by default. Lord, as we're about to start today's session, I pray for understanding from all the listeners because what you're sharing here, though is the purity of your word, but it's coming to collide with a lot of church tradition, personal traditions, personal convictions, which we've believed to be true throughout the years, but which are not really founded on scripture the way they should. Lord, grant us the courage to accept to believe and to do all that we are learning here. Thank you, Father, once more for everything you keep doing. And we are so excited about tomorrow because we know our life is from glory to glory. We have no downtime. We have no failed time. We have no time where we recess because our life is upward and forward only. Be glorified in and through this podcast. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. once more you're welcome to today's show and today's episode today's episode is quite interesting and someone will say someone you always say it's interesting quite interesting when god placed this idea into my spirit and i knew for sure that we have questions that we want answers to but i could never think that we'll have you know this kind of questions the kind of quality of question that we're having and i know there's even more I know for myself, I had a lot of questions. I did. Now I don't have much questions. If I have questions, is I know the answer is just maybe the time of manifestation and all of that, just like pondering within myself. But I know in the past, I used to have a lot of questions, a lot of it, or a lot of them. And God has helped me over the years. And I know that my reality back then is yours. And even today, most of us have a lot of questions that we are afraid to even pose in church or our pastors, our leaders, and even in our homes because the questions might not be welcomed and there's a particular way of looking at that question which does not bring us satisfaction, does not provide an answer of peace. So we have just, you know what, for peace sake, let me just stay quiet. But here is a platform where God has granted us to ask your questions, sound taboo like they say, without restriction, without restraint, Ask your question and God is going to grant us the ability and will grant us the grace and the wisdom to confront every question without reserve. So, thank you once more again for listening and thank you to all those who have contributed by asking a question, you know, and to all of you who are listening again, thank you, God bless you. So, a special shout out, a special greeting to our listeners in Lebanon. Marhaba, bonjour and a good day to you. Um, all of you listening from Lebanon, thank you for joining in. And, you know, uh, we have a lot of episodes. We are still brand new. Um, this is the third month um, into the fourth month. And the feedback has been you know, outrageous, sensational throughout the world. We are into our 800 download so far. And the feedback, the encouragement, and even the impact that we get from you guys on a weekly basis is so phenomenal. Thank you very much. So once more, 
Marhaba. Bonjour and good day to you, our listeners from Lebanon. I hope I did justice to the pronunciation. Um, just forgive me if I didn't. Alright, so let's go straight into it. Our question for today is from Gertrude in Cameroon. Gertrude, thank you once more for being an avid and faithful listener. I know that the podcast has been impactful and continues to be. Thank you once more for trusting us with this question and for believing that God could use us and can use us to proffer some answers that will give you peace and not just you but every other person. Of course, I'm aware that the questions we ask are maybe personal questions or questions that are from friends and families or maybe questions that in our community are very, very much on vogue or kind of a popular a hot question that we bring here so thank you very much for trusting us so our question like you've heard how to stay celibate until you get married i love the question just briefly put um, how to stay celibate until you get married until i get married of course i'm married already married to the most amazing lady in the whole wide world mabel i love you thank you very much and um father of two, I'm Salome and uh, Nathaniel. So thank you very much once more for all that you do, for supporting me and for helping me in this work that God has called me to do and we are all doing it together. Thank you very much. So that's an aside. So thank you. So, but how to stay celibate until I get married? I use I because I want you to repeat it to yourself in that way. It's about me. How do I appropriate these answers for myself? Alright, so I'm going to address this question in the following order. You know, just top of my head. What does the Bible say about celibacy? Why does God want you and I to be celibate until we get married? Why stay celibate in the first place? That's the third and the fourth, the wrong attitude and motivations for staying celibate. And number five, we'll look at some celibacy stereotypes. Just a couple of them. Just not explaining anything, just highlighting and demystifying them or debunking them. And I know this is talking about celibacy, but you come to realize that in addressing how to maximize and how to stay celibate until one gets married, it's really about how to live our lives until we get into very definite stance in our lives. So don't just look at it as, okay, oh, I'm already married, so there's no need for me to listen to this podcast. Listen, because there are many things that God is going to say through me, which will be relevant for everyone, relevant to all, whether married or unmarried. So just stay tuned. So right out of the bat, number one, what does the Bible say about celibacy? First, celibacy is staying unmarried or deciding to abstain from sexual intercourse until one gets married. Celibacy is abstaining from sexual intercourse until one gets married. Of course, there is an extended version of celibacy which is now a kind of permanent one where it is one decision to stay unmarried and without sexual intercourse for life, for their devotion and their work towards God. But here he's talking about, I want to get married at some point. But how do I abstain from sexual intercourse or from things that would lead to that until I get married? So that's the whole thing. What does the Bible therefore say about celibacy? The Bible does not really talk about celibacy. Not like does not, but very much often does not bring out celibacy as the main thing. 
the Bible talks about sexual immorality. And for sexual immorality, it talks about fornication, which is having sexual intercourse before marriage. You have adultery, which is having sexual relations outside of your marriage confine, that's outside of your spouse, husband or wife, having with some other person. You have um, inordinate affections that are still under sexual immorality. That has to do with lesbian, gay, and all of those. So the Bible mixes all of these things as sexual impurity or immorality. Of course, you have some instances where it's going to kind of funnel and bring the celibacy part out. But we're going to read a couple of Bible verses so we understand what the Bible says about sexual immorality. Of course, I just chose a few because the Bible says a lot about sexual immorality. I won't like take like many of them. I've just chosen like a few of them. So let's read verse from Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 21 from the New Living Translation. 19 and it reads, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, 21, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that is Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 21 and it talks about sexual immorality, impurities, lustful pleasures, you know, all of that. Let's read Galatians chapter 5 from verses 19 to 21, the same passage that we read before but now in the Passion Translation and it reads, 19, the behavior of the self-life is obvious, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, that's the key there. Pornography, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. 20. Chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. 21. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? And that's Galatians 5, 19-21 from the Passion Translation. Now let's read Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 from the Living Bible Translation. And it reads, Verse 3. Away then with sinful earthly things, deaden the evil desires lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust and shameful desires. Don't worship the good things of life, for that is idolatry. So it says, deaden the evil desires lurking within you, having nothing to do with sexual sin, impurities, lust and shameful desires. Shameful desires now has to do with things like homosexuality, being gay, lesbian, and all of that. So that's shameful desires. Then sexual sin has to do with, again, premarital sex, fornication, adultery, and all of the like. So let's go further to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verses 3 to 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verses 3 to 5 from the Living Bible Translation. And it reads... 
For God wants you to be holy and pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin so that each of you will marry in holiness and honor. 5. Not in lustful passion as the heathens do in their ignorance of God and his ways. Let me read that again. So this is one of the verses that really talks about premarital sex in a very explicit manner. Let's read that again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verses 3 to 5 from the Living Bible Translation. For God wants you to be holy and pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin so that each of you will marry in holiness and honor. Are you saying? Stay clear from sexual sin. So the Bible considers sex before marriage as sexual sin. Keep clear of all sexual sin so that each of you will marry in holiness and honor. 5. Not in lustful passions as the heathens do in their ignorance of God and his ways. And let's end with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So the same verse that we have read before, but now in an extended form from the Passion Translation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, from verses 2 to 8, from the Passion Translation. And it reads, verse 2, For you already know the instructions I have shared with you through the Lord Jesus. 3. God's will is for you to be set apart for Him in holiness and that you keep yourself unpolluted from sexual defilement. 4. Yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity. 5. Not yielding to lustful passions like those who do not know God. 6. Never take selfish advantage of a brother or sister in this matter, for we've already told you and solemnly warned you that the Lord is the avenger of, of all these things. 7. For God's call on our lives is not to a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrounded in holiness. 8. And the last, therefore, whoever rejects this instruction isn't rejecting human authority but God himself who gives us his precious gifts his spirit of holiness and finally we read 1st Corinthians chapter 7 verse 2 1st Corinthians chapter 7 verse 2 and it reads but since sexual immorality is occurring each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband so that's talking about idolatry that is adultery within or even in this instance it's talking about the cure to sexual sin is get married and then you consummate your passions within the confines of marriage with your husband with your wife so those are a few scriptures that i've just taken out to make us understand what the bible says about celibacy but i've said again just to re-echo it that we go to the next phase the bible doesn't really with the exception of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verses 3 to 8 and there are others but just in this context what I have read from the Living Bible Translation, the Bible does not really single out celibacy as a main thing. It kind of umbrellas all of them as sexual sin. So fornication, that's premarital sex, adultery, lesbianism, being gay, man with man, woman with woman, humans and animals. God discards all of them and puts them under one umbrella called sexual immorality. So I hope it's clear enough. So let's go to the next thing. Why God wants you and I to stay celibate until we get married. Number one, he wants us to stay celibate until we get married to maintain purity. Number two, it's because sex is more than a physical activity. Sex has deep spiritual implications. When we engage in sex, it's not just 
the exchange of pleasure something and the man releasing seed through semen into the wife and they and you all have this orgasm going on it's more than that it's a deep spiritual connection there's an exchange spiritually there's an exchange even of the spiritual components of the people involved is very deep so let's read first corinthians 6 verse 16 first corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 and it reads do you not know that the one who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her so sex is one of the very most important aspect that brings to oneness when the bible says and a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and both shall become one flesh Sex is one of those components that bring that unism. Not like unism, you guys become instantly think the same, but there is something happening spiritually that brings that unism. There's an exchange. There's something the man receives from the wife. There's something the wife receives from the man. So that's why you see people who have been married for a long time. They will say people look alike because there is that exchange. So sex is more than just a physical activity. Sex has deep spiritual implications, which now lead to when it's before marriage and it leads to a lot of impurities. So God wants us to stay clear of that. Number three. The third reason why God wants you and I to be celibate until we get married is to cultivate and master the attitude of patience. This point is very important. Patience is one of the most serious virtues that every Christian has from God already, but that we need to be aware of and cultivate, manage, because everything with God takes time. To the point that the selling point of the devil is to give you instant gratification, is to make things happen in quotes a faster time. So the devil now short circuits one of the ways that God operates and proposes to men that you know what, why wait for this amount of years or amount of days? Why not just have it now? The time component. So everything with God takes time and everything that God created takes time. Even nature, like in one movie I watched, God is not dead some years back. There's one quote there where it says, nature doesn't run. The sun sets, the sun rises meticulously. It never rushes. Everything that God created goes through process of time. So everything with God takes time. That's why when we are born again, one flavor of the fruit of the spirit is patience and not only patience, even endurance. So there is no way that you and I will become relevant with God and God will use us globally or even in our family and to impact lives when we don't cultivate the attitude of patience. Let's read Hebrews chapter 6 from verses 10 to 12 from the New King James Version. 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. 12. And the last. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are two components if we have to inherit all that God has for us. Faith, which is a very big topic, and patience. I'm talking about faith being very big because I'm writing a book and it's talking about faith. It's a very, very massive subject. Myself, I've been blown away 
by all that God is revealing as I write the book. So two components if we are going to be giants with God, faith and patience. So God wants us to stay celibate until we get married. One reason is to cultivate and master the attitude of patience because there's no way we can get with God without patience. It doesn't work. God doesn't rush. God doesn't run. God can grant us speed to recover something, but God doesn't rush. Nature doesn't rush. Everything that God created doesn't rush. The two entities that God created that are constantly in perpetual rush is the devil because he doesn't have enough time to do what he wants to do and man because of lack of understanding. Man is always rushing and you wonder where they are rushing to go to. So to be um, a giant with God, God wants to cultivate the attitude of patience. Number four, this point literally has saved someone listening to me right now. You have to be more patient, cultivate it. Don't pray for it. You already have it. In as far as you're born again, you already have patience within you. You have to be aware of it and you have to intentionally cultivate it and practice it. That's how it becomes more amplified in your life. Number four, God wants us to stay celibate until we get married so we get enough time to know him to discover who we are in him and what he has sent us to accomplish in the earth god wants us to be celibate until we get married so we get enough time to know him to discover who we are in him and so we discover our assignment what he has sent us here to accomplish on earth let's read philippians chapter 3 from verses 7 to 8 from the good news translation 7 but all those things that i might count as profit i now reckon as loss for christ's sake it not only those things i reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for his sake i have thrown everything away i consider it all as mere garbage so that i may gain christ our life your life and my life the centerpiece and the masterpiece of it all is this knowing him i know most of us have just thought that knowing him is about oh now i'm born again i know him <laughs> we don't know him we became aware of him when we were born again this is paul writing that he is still pressing to know him christ is more than an encyclopedia christ is more than a nation christ is god and god has diverse dimensions so our pursuit, our main anchor, the main thing that drives our life is to know him. So God wants us to stay celibate. One thing, one component of why he wants us to stay celibate until we get married is so we have enough time to get to know him, then to get to know who we are in him and to get to know our assignment. Because knowing our assignment and knowing who we are cannot be possible if we don't know him. And it doesn't mean that we would know him a hundred percent before we know who we are in him. The more we know him, the more we know who we are, and the more he's going to release into us what he has for us to do as the assignment that he has sent us here to do. I hope it's okay. So let me reiterate the four things that I highlighted here. The reason why God wants us to be celibate until we get married is number one, to maintain purity. And I'll explain in some other parts. Maintain purity. Number two is because sex is beyond a physical activity. Sex has deep spiritual implications. There's an exchange going on in sex all the time. And that's why we read that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. It is very important. And number three, the third reason that God wants us to stay celibate until we get married is to cultivate and master the attitude of patience. It's very important because we cannot become giant and be used by God mightily without patience. 
The Bible says, follow them who through faith and patience have obtained the promises. So one of the cardinal reasons or the cardinal criterion to look out for anyone that you want to emulate and you want to like spiritual leadership and mentorship and all of that is faith and patience. And the fourth reason why God wants us to say celibate until we get married is so we have enough time to know him and to discover who we are in him and to discover our assignment so we can focus on that. Alright, so why stay celibate? That's the next component we are dealing with. Why stay celibate? And here I'm looking at the motivation, our motivation. What should be our motivation? We have looked at God's motivation. Now our motivation. And just like maybe three. And the first thing is our motivation in staying celibate that is to honor God and to honor his word. That is the first thing. We want to stay celibate to honor God and to honor his word because he wants us to stay celibate until we get married. He does want us to engage into premarital sex and just sleeping around. He wants us to stay celibate until we get married. So our first motivation is because of our love for him and because we are in him and he is in us, we are one. Whatever he wants, I want. Whatever he desires, I desire. I don't have a different desire from God's desire. So, the first reason is to honor God and to honor his word. Number two, the second motivation, the second reason why we should stay celibate or what should motivate us, our motivation, is to deepen our devotion with Jesus Christ. So, let me reiterate. We saw God's reason for staying celibate. Now, we are looking at what now should motivate us because after this, I'm going to relate to all of us the wrong attitude and motivation for staying celibate because there can be a right motivation and a wrong motivation. So, the right motivation, number one, is to honor God and his word. Number two, to deepen our devotion with Christ, to know him, to know who we are in him, and to know our assignment. That is it. And number three, the third thing that should motivate us in staying celibate is to focus on the main priorities by avoiding unnecessary distractions from premarital sexual relationships. Because when we are celibate, there are things that are most important at that time. So it can be education, career, but clear those two things, or maybe our business, if at all we began business very early, but it's about focusing on the main priorities at the time. So your education, your career, maybe your business, whatever thing is the priority for you at the time, Knowing God, knowing who you are, knowing your assignment, and focusing on the main priorities of the time, your education, and any other thing that kind of ties to you. So what are some premarital distractions? Some things that premarital sexual relationships bring as distractions? You know, unwanted pregnancies, number one, sexually transmitted diseases, and unnecessary emotional tensions from premarital sexual relationships. You know, um, now you're a student, you are in upper seats, you are in lower seats, you're in the university, you're supposed to be studying. Your parents have really paid the full tuition, they have paid for your room and they are paying for your food and everything. And you get entangled with this guy or this lady and because they don't call you in one day or two days, you can't read. You can't read for a month, you can't read for two days, you can't read for one week. Totally negating what your parents have done for you. And there you go into the exam hall, you can't write because this guy is not talking to you, this lady has just jilted you, and you are just so frustrated, you fail your exams. Those are not healthy distractions, and it takes a lot from parents to put everything together so that their children can have the best education. I'm a parent, I'm a father. So, all this being celibate is to avoid all those distractions. 
Imagine if you are on a wanted pregnancy. It comes to totally foil what you're doing as a student. It comes to impair your devotion. Before you know, you have now to go through morning sickness, night fever. You have to deal with so many things. You have to deal with some cravings. You have to deal with some personal relationship problems with the guy's family, with your own family, with the lady's family and your own family. All those things you cannot really do well in your main focus for that time when you have all this distraction going on in your life imagine that you have a sexually transmitted disease maybe gonorrhea um, syphilis and even aids and what does your life become many distractions the motivation behind staying celibate is to prioritize the main things in that period in our lives and to avoid unnecessary distractions that emanate from premarital sexual relationships so what are the wrong attitudes and motivations that we should not have for staying celibate? Number one, thinking being celibate will enable us have a good wife, have a good husband, have good children, and have the home of our dreams. Being celibate will not have that happen. The key is not the celibacy, the sexless life. The key is now that you are living a sexless life and you're celibate, what do you do? So celibacy is a system that enables us to create a good atmosphere and environment. Now, the key is what we do in that atmosphere, what we do in that environment that will produce the fruit. In itself, celibacy does not guarantee anything. Okay. It's like fasting. Oh, I will not eat because I'm fasting. But now you have not eaten for two days and for the past two days you have been watching Prison Break. You have been watching The Mentalist. You've been watching some series, movies, and day two, you are in season three. You have watched season one and season two in two days. Your fasting will not help you spiritually. Physically, it can help you. It can give you some health benefits, you know, all of that. But spiritually, you're wasting it. So fasting in itself will not bring you things. It is what you do within the fast that brings the result. So thinking that by staying celibate is going to give you the best wife, the best husband, the best children, and the best home of your dream, it will not happen. Wrong motivation and attitude. Number two, thinking in being celibate, you are doing God a favor. There are some people that have this entitlement mentality where they think that even as a business person, the customer should be happy to be dealing with them. An entitlement mentality where we think that God better be happy that I'm being celibate. That's why when something does not go as planned, we start threatening God. I will leave you. I will store my devotion to you and do something else. You being celibate does not add to God. It doesn't add to him in one bit. So thinking that being celibate, you're doing God a favor is a very wrong attitude and mentality to have. Number three, thinking being celibate in itself is the goal. When you think that being celibate is the goal, meaning that not having sex is the goal, is a wrong understanding of what we are engaging into. So it's like what I talked about, celibacy is not in itself something that gives us something or the reward. It's what we do within. So celibacy in itself is not the goal. What the goal should be is our devotion to Jesus Christ, our knowing him, our knowing who we are in him, knowing our assignment and focusing on the priorities of the moment, focusing on our book work, focusing on on our career or something, you know, until the time is right. 
That's the goal. Celibacy is to create like a boundary. Celibacy can be a boundary that we create to avoid all this distraction. So we focus on the main issues, which is more devotion, deepen our devotions with Christ, getting to know him, getting to know who we are, getting to know our assignment, and now focusing on the things at the moment, our education and other things until the time is right. So celibacy, so to speak, can be a boundary that we put to avoid all these distractions that come in. But celibacy in itself is not the goal. So I find people who say, oh, I was celibate and look at my wife today. I was celibate and look at my husband today. So there's no use for doing that. Better I just go around sleeping. No. Celibacy is not the goal. It is what you do in your celibacy that is the goal. I hope it's clear enough. And number four, the fourth wrong attitude and motivation for staying celibate is wanting to be celibate to prove that we are more religious than others. That never works, alright? We are celibate because we want to prove that we are more righteous than others. That's a wrong attitude to being celibate. So let's look at one but last thing that we wrap up. Maximizing your celibacy. How do we maximize our celibacy? How do we maximize our being celibate? Number one is to count the cost. So by maximizing it is by obtaining the full benefits, obtaining the full results of our being celibate. Because remember, celibacy is not the goal. It is what we do while we are being celibate or while we are celibate that is the goal. So if you are celibate and your goal is not the right one, then the result will still not be a good one. If I'm celibate and I have the right goals, which is Jesus, to know him, to know me in him, to know my assignment, and to start being engaged towards the assignment and number two to focus on my education to focus on the things that are calling my attention the most now then the result celibacy will be a very good thing for me and i'm going to use it properly having the wrong goals in celibacy will lead to the wrong results Having the right goals in celibacy will make us have the right results. So maximizing our celibacy, number one, we must count the costs. Many things that most of us do is just to decide or just to not even decide, just to have a mental decision or a mental resolution. That's a better word. A mental resolution that I want to be celibate without counting the cost. You must count the cost. And there's a reason why you must count the cost. Because celibacy will cost you. Every boundary that you're raising up to avoid certain things in your life will have some consequences. So let's read Luke chapter 14 from verses 26 to 33 from the New Living Translation. And it reads 26. If you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. I'm going somewhere. 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. 28. But don't begin until you count the costs. Are you seeing now? Don't just say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Mm-mm. Count the cost first. Sit down. Count the cost. But don't begin being my disciples until you have counted the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? 29. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. 30. They would say, there's a person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. 31. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 would defeat 
the army of 20,000 marching against him, 32. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away, 33 and the last. So you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. The hook was, Christ saying, yes, be my disciples, yes, I want it. But before you decide to be my disciples, count the costs. So before you decide to be celibate, which is a very good thing, count the costs. What will it cost you being celibate? mockery particularly in the age that we are now a very funny age where we criminalize good things and we reward bad things so people make fun of you you'll be looked at odd they'll call you names mommy pastor church boy church girl mommy jesus papa jesus and they'll make fun of you count the costs so will i be able to stand all these things what will happen Yes, my body will start moving and from teenager and even I'm advancing in age, my body will start itching for sexual intercourse. How do I deal with it? Count the cost. Alright. Some people, they cannot resist the urge. As soon as they have the urge, they must do something about it. You know, count the cost. What will it cost you to stay celibate? Count the cost. List the things down and you find a way so that you are aware. Don't go into a battle and you are not aware of what they say, I didn't know that it would be like this. No, count the cost. The same with marriage. Before you get into marriage, count the cost. Count the cost. Don't just be entangled with all the butterflies in your stomach. What happens when the butterflies become termites? Count the cost. That's the first thing. Count the cost. So you are aware of what is going to be required of you. So that you are aware of the things that are going to be happening to you. So when somebody laughs at you and is mocking at you, you have already counted the costs and you just smile and go on. Are you saying? So count the cost. Many of us don't count the cost. We just resolve to do something and then we just go into it. Count the cost. What will it cost you? It will cost you a lot. Emotionally, it will cost you a lot. But when you have counted the cost, now you develop a system to counter those things. That's when you have some very good emotional balance where you have peace, even in the face of the onslaught of those things that are coming towards you because you are already aware, are you saying? Number two, after counting the cost, the second thing is to, we're talking about maximizing your celibacy or maximizing our celibacy. Number two now, after counting the cost, you will make a firm and informed decision despite the cost. We make a firm and informed decision despite the cost. So to all of us who have already started our celibacy life and are waiting only for marriage, beautiful. But if you didn't count the cost, after this podcast, go back and count the cost. Take a book. Write down all the things that have been happening to you and that you think will happen to you. Call some friends or people who have been celibate before they got married. What difficulty did you encounter? And you count the costs so you can factor them in. Then you can be aware of them and devise strategies on how to deal with them. That's important. So make a firm and informed decision despite the cost. That's all my mentees and those who look up to me, I always tell them, Oh, go take your time count the cost then you decide when you decide you write it somewhere on the paper i you put your name i solomon ray there. decide to this 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 and you put it down you put a date and you sign so there's something that you've done physically that's binding because just working with your head is very very ephemeral and is very very volatile you can forget that you even decided to do something all right number three is to guard your mind if you want to maximize your celibacy, you must guard your mind. Discriminate the kind of information that your mind takes in. 
discriminate on the kind of information that your eyes watch. If you read Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. If we read the same verse from the Good News Translation, it reads, Be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Guard your mind. You cannot be celibate and you're watching any kind of thing. Watching movies, there's some erotic something and people are doing some funny things there. You cannot be watching those kind of things. Also, be careful about your phone. Phone management. Social media management. Manage all those things. On so many social media platforms now, you will get there, you will see some funny things there. Be careful. Guard your mind. Your mind will be one of your best assets that you can protect in your celibacy or even after in life generally. Be careful what you allow your mind to interact with. Be careful. Guard your mind. And guarding your mind, not just now, not watching some things. Your mind must have something to focus on. So your mind should focus now on the word and on the thing that you're focusing on that time. If it's your studies, your biology, your physics, your data science or your cloud computing, whatever thing that you're involved in, you're learning, focus your mind on those things. Business, entrepreneurship, leadership, but the word of God primarily and predominantly. Number four, avoid unnecessary attention. Be decent and elegant in your dressing. Avoid unnecessary attention. Particularly for my ladies. I love you all. I'm married. I love ladies. I love you all. A good number of my mentees are ladies. But you can't say you want to be celibate and you're there showing your cleavages and putting some kind of funny dresses and you're saying, no, you should be mature enough not to look at me and desire me. You're joking. Avoid unnecessary attention. Be decent and elegant. Even the way you dress should tell the world your stance. Because in everything you do, you're communicating your message without speaking. The way you're dressing, you're communicating a message to your world without you saying it. So you can be dressed in a kind of way and somebody interprets loose girl. Are you saying? And when they interpret loose girl, they now come for the loose girl because loose girls, people come to them and it's easier to get something out of them. I'm using this for the ladies because it's predominantly for you. The guys too as well, dress properly. Avoid unnecessary attention for dressing and any other thing that can make you just attract attention to yourself. If it's maybe you're attracting attention to yourself because of good work, you're doing good in school and in your business and your work, you're being excellent, that's fine and that's beautiful. But avoid unnecessary attention that will put you in a spot where you're sending the wrong information. Avoid them, particularly your dressing. Decent and elegant. When you advertise something, people will come and buy. At least they will come and taste. They will do window shopping. They will come and look at the products and first try to size it. Oh, it's the wrong size. So, okay, you don't have size 45. Oh, no, I want to be size 40. But I've already worn the shoe. Those who understand, understand. I've already given a warning before that, you know, that's something that I don't want to say here. But I've given a warning before that this is a PG episode. So, I hope you're listening by yourself. So, avoid unnecessary attention. Number five, mind your association. Very important. Avoid associations which go contrary to your values and stands. And integrate associations which stand and promote your values. They are very important. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 from the Passion Translation. And it reads, So stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good moral and character. Let me take it again. Stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. 
soul mind your associations you are with this friend he's a gigolo and he's sleeping around he's a professional in sleeping around and before you know it you see him he's driving this nice car and he's doing well before you know it you're there you're still a student or you're never a student you've graduated and things are not moving the way they should from your own standpoint before you need to say god why me look at him he's having a car he's doing bad things why me that's the start of already devaluing your decision. You're in a bad place thinking like that. Or you have this, your friend, this lady, and she's there. She's a professional in doing what she's doing because of her progress in sleeping around. Men open doors for her and say, okay, no, this is my girlfriend and buy her a car and get her a good apartment and, you know, furnish the apartment and she's there working with them and you're just there in your own small room. You're like, God, why now? God, why me now? I was celibate all these years. Look at her and everything. No. Remember I said celibacy in itself is not a goal. The goal is what you do when you're celibate. And number two, mind your associations. There are some people that you have to cut off. There are some people that you have to go away from. Protect yourself. Mind your association. Number six, be accountable. Have a mentor. Have a spiritual leader. Don't be a one-woman army or a one-man army. It will not work like that. What happens when your body is on fire and there is nobody to talk to? or you are on your own have someone that you can talk to that you can trust to talk to by god's grace i have many people come to me and this my ears hear many things oh yes and when they come to you they talk to you oh uh sir this and that this and that some will tell you oh i feel like having sex and everything oh yeah you you don't don't say okay no you, uh. no they have blood running in their veins and you don't you know it's okay you know it's a normal feeling don't feel bad and you engage them, discuss with them, give them some point, and before you know, their body calms down and now they are sane. Not like sane, like they were insane before, no. But they are calmer now. Have someone to talk to. Don't be there burning in your bed sheet, rolling from one end to the next because your body is on fire. Talk to someone. Have someone you can tell that, uh, Sir, Ma, Daddy, Mommy, I feel like having sex now like that. Yes. Have someone that you can talk to them at that level open yourself up yeah do that will diffuse a lot of tension and a lot of weight from you have someone that can be trusted and that is understanding pray about it i feel like having hot sex now it's okay it's okay it's not a bad feeling it's okay and the person will talk to you the person will talk to you and pray with you don't be on your own don't fight this on your own you can have a group of friends that you are together and you guys have the same ambition when there's something like that you can call them and say please girls or guys now like that i'm feeling as to my body's hot i'm horny and all of that and they'll say guy and they'll call one or two friends or they'll call one or two ladies and say guy our friend needs our help let's join him and pray and everything and just talk with him or go and visit him or something like that or take him out or take her out just go out and you just diffuse the tension and they pray with you very important be accountable number seven let your stand be known and be known for your stand let your stand be known and be known for your stand people around you should not be guessing they should know and be proud of it they should know that these are your stands you are a christian like this you're devoted to jesus christ now business is your focus school is your focus you want to get married first before you engage to anything they will laugh at you it's okay let them know 
because they will first laugh at you then they will come to you for advice later all right so let your stand be known when something is in the shadows you have so much temptation but once you have put it out there and you are known for it even someone to bring a temptation to you thomas no don't go to slumore slumore is a hardcore you will not engage into sex before marriage you're wasting your time girls have tried they have not succeeded just forget about it and when you make your stand known it will help to diffuse and to diffuse a lot of temptation that should come your way just your standing by itself will solve so many distractions that should have come to you people should know don't be ashamed of it make your stand known and be known for your stand all right number eight set healthy boundaries let's read hebrews 12 verse 1 new king james version therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of weaknesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us you set your boundary against those things that easily can make you to get involved or to even start considering those kind of things some people have some very weird fantasies and mind i'm telling you so set some clear boundaries no visiting at my house after six if i have just a room i'm not in my room with a friend with a boy and we are there in the room alone set some boundaries bounds are there to help you and you set bounds against the thing that easily cause you to fall easily cause you to fall maybe there's this lady that you have a huge crush on don't say no oh i'm a prayer warrior let her come into the room and we'll talk you're playing with fire my friend <laughs> uh, or you have this guy that you have a crush on and this guy is handsome and you know he has a complete combination he's handsome fair chocolate eight packs and he's so eloquent and everything is intelligent he's smart he's a christian and everything i said no i'm prayerful now what's here you're joking you're playing with fire do you think joseph was not prayerful when potiphar's wife caught him he ran he left the dress and ran away Usually he did not run, he fled. Tell you the intensity of the running away. Set boundaries. Don't think that you are almighty. Set boundaries. And finally, mind your business. Oh, this is the main one. Mind your business. Let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12 from the New Living Translation. This is Paul writing. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. You see, I said, don't attract unnecessary attention to yourself. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. 12. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your own hands, just as we have instructed you before. 12. Then people who are not believers who respect your way of life and you will not need to depend on others so all believers will respect your way of life if you have designed a whole system around your life and you've made your stand known and you're devoted to god and your devotion is known give it time people will respect you for it so what is your business now in celibacy number one you focus on the word of god all right make sure that you increase your understanding of who god is increase your understanding of who jesus is you increase your understanding of who you are in him and you increase your understanding on your assignment and how you should go about it focus on the word of god number two focus on prayer and the prayer here is not give me give me prayer the first thing is what i call priesthood prayers 
Remember, the goal of celibacy is not to have a good home, a good wife, a good husband. It's to devote yourself to God and your assignment. Alright? So, focus on prayer. Prayer means that you pray for your community, you pray for the leaders in your community, you pray for your friends, you pray, you know, all of that. Of course, personal prayers. You pray for yourself. Then, your personal prayers now can include you pray for your unborn children and for your spouse. If you're a lady, pray for your spouse to be, whether you know him or you don't know him, pray for him. Because there is somebody that God has designed for you and your paths will meet someday. Pray for him and pray for her, for those who are guys. Pray for her. You don't know them. You don't know him. You don't know her. But pray for him or her that God should help him to make the right decisions. God should help her to make the right decisions, to stand firm, to do well and to be led by him and everything. Pray for him or her. Pray for your unborn children because an understanding man is a gift from God. An understanding woman is a gift from God. Obedient children are a gift from God. It's not by strategy. Oh, I'm seeing Slomore the way he is. Okay, so if I take Slomore plus me, the way uh, me plus Lumore will give birth to this kind of... It's not by strategy. It doesn't work like that. An understanding husband is from God. An understanding wife is from God. Obedient children are from God. The Bible says our parents can give us all kinds of inheritances, but they cannot give us an understanding wife, nor husband, nor understanding children. Those ones are a gift from God. Alright, so focus on prayer. Pray for others, for your nation, for the leaders, for your friends. And you see your friend going through something, you pray. When you are going deeper, God will reveal some prayer points to you for your friends or even for your nation. You pray. Personal prayer. Pray for yourself, for your business and career, for your life. And also pray for your spouse, unknown, unknown. I mean, just like fiancé. But even if you don't know them, pray for them because your past will meet. And pray for your unborn children or for your unborn one child if you want to only have one pray for them number three is to focus on leaving your purpose and completing your assignment your business is number one focusing on the word number two focus on prayer number three focusing on leaving your purpose and completing your assignment because if you don't engage into your purpose and assignment early enough marriage will be a very huge distraction but if you engage on your purpose and assignment early enough your marriage will be a very huge catalyst to help you go further faster let me say it again if you engage on your purpose and assignment early marriage will be a huge booster but if you don't know your purpose and assignment and you engage into marriage it will become a very huge deterrent because you got married now to your husband or your wife and they didn't know that you were this kind of church person or even a passionate person about jesus christ and now you have found a light so to speak and now you have this huge passion for the things of god your husband or wife will say i didn't know this one of you i didn't know this version of you this version i, I don't know it and before you know it becomes a whole thing in your marriage are you saying so focus on leaving out your purpose and completing your assignment it doesn't mean you complete your assignment before you get married no i mean get engaged into it into completing your assignment for christ next you focus on growing your career and your business because in unfolding your assignment you will need a platform and that's where your career and your business comes in those are good platforms among many other platforms so through your business and career you are using it to unfold your purpose and to unfold your assignment for christ so you need to focus on growing your career and growing your business also focus on developing yourself to become the model husband and father or model wife and mother god expects to become i can tell you for free that particularly in our generation there is a huge cry for real fathers and there's a huge cry for real mothers 
there's a huge cry for real husbands and there's a huge cry for real wives. So in your celibacy, you're developing yourself to become the model husband and father. You become a good husband and father. Nobody defaults to become one. All men are potential husbands, but very few men are potential good husbands because you become a good husband. And anything that you become requires knowledge to make that happen. So you focus on developing yourself to become the model husband and father. I remember in my own case, before I even got married, I was growing my devotion with God like very deeply and God was using that time to kind of stretch me. And one time he just told me, you know, start praying for a wife. I didn't know who I was going to get married. I just started praying, you know, waking up. They would prompt me to wake up at 3 a.m. and I'll pray and pray till daybreak. Sometimes along the road, I'll just have this urge to pray. I'm walking along the road. That's in Boya, you know, that is Yubi Junction and the rest. I'll be praying along the road and going to where I'm going to, maybe going to class and everything. So you're doing that. And as I was doing that, then God now got me to a state where he asked me, why do you want to get married? And I told him the answer almost all men give, you know. Oh, I need a wife who do that and children. And he said, no, that's a wrong reason to get married. All those reasons are very selfish reasons. You need a wife who will take care of you. I mean, not take care of you. A wife who will cook for you. A wife who will give you children. A wife who will clean the place. He said, no, those are very wrong reasons to get married because they are very selfish. And God started working with me, modeling me into the husband that he wanted me to become. And, and he taught me that you get married for this reason. These are the motivations that should propel you into marriage. Are you saying? I want to get married because I want to contribute in making this lady become everything that you want her to become. Everything that you've designed her to become, Lord, I want to be part of it to make her to become that. I want to be married because I want to be a helper to help this man fulfill his destiny and assignment. It should be about God through the other person. Are you saying? So, what am I saying? I'm saying that when you're celibate and your devotion to God is going deeper, God will model you and you yourself should have as a point of focus to model yourself to become the best husband and father, the best wife and mother that God expects to become. Because it is only when you have that that God can send you the right seed as a gift. God saw Abraham and said, I know Abraham, for he is going to raise his children to know me. I know Abraham. So because he knew him, he saw him as a kind of model father. He said, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Because he knew him. He sent him Isaac because he knew Abraham was going to raise Isaac into the ways of God. And God sent him a special seed. And through him, God sent Christ. Because he knew through the lineage of Abraham, he will make sure that they know God and they will never go away from him. God gives everyone children, but God brings special seed to some special people. Look at everybody that God is using today in the world, in Africa and beyond, like in Africa, all these big names. Look at all their families. They don't come from nowhere. That is, they have almost the same history. The parents were devoted. The grandparents were devoted. So there's that line. So this child came now as a gift. And now you find them moving the world. So God sent them as a seed. Imagine being the father and the mother to Billy Graham. What kind of child is that? Imagine being the father and mother to Pastor Chris, to Bishop Oedepo, and name them. What kind of children are those? It's a gift that God sends because he has modeled you. This is a very important piece of advice I'm giving you. Model yourself to become that husband and father, that wife and mother that God expects to become so he can send you a gift as a seed. 
And that child, male or female, whenever you sit back and look at your child, God using him or her to transform the world, millions of impact, billions. And you sit and wonder, this child came from my womb or this child came from me as a father. And you marvel. And finally, focus on understanding and becoming an expert in home management from the kingdom perspective. Do you know why business on average lasts longer than marriages? Because of one word, they are organized. That's what they are called organizations because they are organized. So you have a bad husband and a bad father, but in the company, he's a good employee. You have a bad wife and a terrible mother, but in the business, in a company, she is very submissive to her boss and she listens and does whatever thing is wanted of her. Because in the company, there is a structure, there is an organization, there's an organigram, there are duties and responsibilities. Nobody's all the same. We can be calling ourselves by first name, but we all know that there is a disparity between the CEO and the director going down. Most homes we don't have a home management system. They have no culture, they have no values, no philosophy. We do things anyhow because there is a real need for home management. And it's something I'm working on personally because I have a burden for that. Not the burden, I was just instructed to make that happen, to teach the people of God about home management. It's very important. Home management. We have homes today where children from birth, they have no notion of work. They do nothing in the name of love. The home, there's no order. People get up at any time. There's no sequence in the way they do things. You eat at any time. You eat anyhow. You eat anywhere. Because in Christ, we have liberty. Okay. You should understand and become an expert in home management as a husband and as a father, as a wife and as a mother. The two, we should know our home is about like this. These are our values. These are our philosophy in this home. These are how we treat people in this home. These are how we talk in this home. We don't talk like this in this home. We don't talk like this in this house. We don't watch this kind of movies in this house. We eat at these times. And when we eat, everybody goes on the table. Nobody goes out and comes at 9 o'clock and they serve their own food and they eat in the parlor anyhow. There should be some discipline and some decorum. Of course, they feel free, but it doesn't mean that when there's that order, the children don't feel free and play. They play. Is heaven in disorder? No. Do people feel free and do stuff? Yes. But within a very specified way of doing things, most homes have no order and God cannot send a seed in that kind of home. So that's what we should be doing in our celibacy. Focusing on the word, on prayer, living our purpose and assignment, growing our career and business, focusing on developing ourselves to be the model husband and wife, model father and mother, focusing on understanding and becoming you know, an expert in home management. How does our home run? At what time do we wake up? And when we wake up, what do we do? Is it morning devotion? All the children, who is doing what in morning devotion? Who is praying? Who is leading? In the evening, what do we do? During dinner, when do we have dinner? When do we have breakfast? When do we have supper? What do we do in the evening before we sleep? At what time do we sleep? What do we do in the parlor? Is everybody on their own phone and watching? And they are in one parlor, you have like 10 screens, 5 phones, 4 laptops, and a TV. Or what do we do? What do we do? You have to define all those things. That's why companies last longer on average than marriages because companies have a structure by default and everybody who is coming to that company must adhere to the philosophy, the values, the culture of that company. But most homes have no culture, have no philosophy and nothing. It can't work like that. Alright, celibacy stereotypes. Number one, being celibate until marriage is old school. 
false. There's no old school and new school on that. What we're having now is a display of an agenda of the satanic order to make sex very democratized and people can just have it anyhow. In the satanic bible, there's a whole book called the book of sex. When you read that, you understand what's happening in the world today. People are just having sex anyhow. It's not old school. Having sex anyhow is no new school. So it's not an old fashioned thing. Number two, celebrity stereotypes. Being celibate is only for females. No, it's for male and females, particularly even males. Number three, being celibate makes us inexperienced in sex. <laughs> being celibate makes us inexperienced in sex. Meaning that when we are celibate and we want to have sex, we will not know what to do. See, there are some things that God has built into all of us when we're conceived and born. Who told the baby to turn at nine months and his or her head to face downwards? Who gave the instruction? There is a basic programming that God has put within all men. That is all mankind. For example, what I'm talking about, at nine months, the child turns. Who gave the instruction? There's a basic programming. And in that basic programming, even sex is inside. Alright? You don't teach anybody how to do sex. They just know that you have to go down here and you go be like this. You know, they just know. You just know. I know. So no, it's not enough. You must. I know some people have some very weird sexual orientation, and you have been used to. You have to forgive me, right? You have been used to. You know, John is hanging you on the chandelier, and you're hanging on the ceiling. <laughs> you have been used to Mary is turning on the wall like a robber, and it's because we live in a culture where we have heightened sex. I have a teaching called the delusion of sex. It's a whole thing that the devil has planted in this culture. A whole thing for sex has been magnified and glorified. If you ask even the average person, even in church, what's the purpose of sex? They will not tell you. They will tell you, you know, it's for enjoyment. But it's more than that. What is the purpose of sex? Pleasure is secondary. What's the repose of sex? Procreation? What's the purpose of procreation? You see, let nobody fool you. And that because when you are sleeping, you will not have experience. Forget it. Alright? Forget it. And that's why we don't have stable marriages because when Peter now gets to get married to Mary and Peter, before getting married to Mary, has met like 10 other girls who were champions. There were spiders hanging on the wall, hanging on the chandelier and contorting all kinds of tiles. And now Peter cannot stay with the wife now because the wife now is a normal person who thinks of things normally and has more emphasis on, you know, having more impact in the world. I don't mean having good sex is not good, but it doesn't mean you become some animal. Let nobody fool you. Many people that are in celibacy have this fear that, oh, when I'm going to say I don't know what to do, it's a lie. You will know what to do. You don't know as the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he will teach you all things. Ask him to help you, but you know what to do. Let nobody fool you. You have been a champion. Eh? This guy, you have been a champion. You know all the rooms in your country because you are an expert. You can last on a woman for six hours non-stop. You are sick. You are sick. So you who knows all those things. What has your life become? How better are you? What impact are you creating in the world? Because your waist can go 200 times in one second. How better are you then? How better are you? Are you this lady who can contort all kinds of shapes? How better are you? How has all that thing make you become better and create more impact in the world? Let's not allow the devil to just heighten sex and sex is good but it's not the way you think. Nothing, even sex, has the power to fulfill you. So just deal with it and have your peace of mind, alright? Have your peace of mind. I know when I'll get married, we'll do things 10 times a day. You will tell me later. 
Alright, just relax. So that's a very huge stereotype, it's a lie. Number four, being celibate makes us miss out in life. You don't miss out in anything. You have more time. Spend your time in celibacy, develop yourself, get to know God, get to know your assignment, focus on that. You get married, you enjoy your husband, you enjoy your wife, you have good children, you raise them properly. The all of you now work for God and work for the things of God and do your assignments. That's a glorious life. What do you miss out? Is it nightclub? What do you miss out? Is it experiencing all kinds of men and all kinds of women that you miss out on? What do you miss out? What do you miss out on? You see, one day I'll share my story. All right. Because some of you just think that when we are saying about this Holy Spirit and God, we don't know anything we are talking about. So then nobody fool you that, oh, you're missing out on so many things. You're not missing out on anything. I can just give you an answer of peace. Just relax and focus on God and focus on your career and focus on your studies and the thing that need your attention now. Then build yourself to become the model husband, the model father, the model wife and the model mother. Relax. All these things are people just trying to play over your emotions to make you feel bad. And finally, being celibate is only about not engaging to sex. Like I said, celibacy is not the goal. Your devotion to God and focusing on the things of the hour are the goal. Not just having a sexless life. So in conclusion, in your celibacy, you focus on your devotion to Jesus Christ, becoming the person he desires you to become and actively participating in his assignment and not just living a sexless life. Okay? So that's what you should take note of. So God help you. And I repeat, please, there's an explicit content. Don't listen to it in the public with your kids. God bless you. And know that your decision to be celibate, I'm talking to all of you now who have decided to make that that way, is a right decision. And nobody should bully you or play over your emotion to make you think that you're missing out and that you're losing out. You are not in any way. You are not, all right? So stay focused. It's not about celibacy in its own right. It's about Jesus, your devotion to him, and knowing who you are in him, discovering your assignment on purpose, growing your business, growing your career, and becoming everything that God wants you to become, like husband, wife, father, mother, so he can release to you the right seed as a gift. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I want to thank you for all that you keep doing in and through our lives. I want to thank you for this question. I want to thank you for the answer of peace that you're releasing through my voice. Thank you for all that you keep doing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for rekindling in us a desire and a passion to serve you, to know you. Thank you for rekindling in us a passion for your word. Lord, I pray that as we study and as we encounter comfort our minds with your word even through this podcast may you enlarge our understanding and may you transfigure us on a daily basis to the person that you want us to be but i pray that may you speak to your people direct them give them the right steps that you should take and also build their confidence in you that they will not be afraid that they are losing out on anything or they will not allow themselves to be manipulated by people who have no business counseling them. Thank you for all that you keep doing. Be glorified in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So thank you once more for joining. Thank you, thank you. God bless you. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to Gerald. Gerald, thank you for all that you keep doing. Gerald is the editor of this podcast. And thank you for your work and your labor of love. Thank you. God bless you. And to all of you who are listening and to all of you who are asking questions, God bless you immensely. Without you, this podcast will not have the impact it is having. And please consider to ask your question 
There's a link in the show notes. Ask your questions. Share with your friends. Like I said, listen daily. Listen with the community. Have discussion points around it. I'm happy to interject in any way I can to clarify some things and even to deepen the conversation. So thank you once more. God bless you. And once more to our listeners from Lebanon. Thank you once more for being with us. Thank you. And it's my desire and prayer that you continue to be faithful listeners and share this within your community. And not just for them, but everyone of us from Germany, Lebanon, the USA, Cameroon, Spain, Brazil, Singapore, did I call Belgium, Namibia, Ghana, many countries that I cannot really name out now. Share in your community so that we all can learn. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, his word, his ways, and how we relate um, with all those things so we can have a productive life for him. So I've been Solomon Ray, Ngoleswe, signing out. See you next week for yet another exciting question from you. Cheers. Bye-bye. trust this episode was instructive and that you've learned a thing or two, please feel free to send in your questions using the Q&A button if you're on Spotify or use the link in the show notes below if on Apple Podcast or any other player. Getting value from this podcast, consider doing the following steps. Step 1. Leave a review after the show notes below. And step 2. Share with your friends and loved ones via your social media platforms. Also, consider showing some love by supporting us by giving towards the development of other programs using the appropriate link in the show notes as well. Do you want to share a personal message with Solomon Ray? For your testimonials and message of gratitude, use the appropriate link in the show note below to send your voice note. We truly love you and believe in you and the person you are becoming in Christ Jesus. Till then, have a blessed day ahead and remember, Jesus Christ is counting on you to influence your world for him. God bless you.